Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be previewing this week's PGA Tour stop, the Farmers Insurance Open. Now, I want to warn everybody, this tournament starts on a Wednesday, not a Thursday like most PGA Tour tournaments. CBS decided that they did not want their golf broadcast competing directly with the AFC and NFC Championship games in the NFL, and I don't blame them. So this tournament runs Wednesday through Saturday as opposed to Thursday through Sunday. So for whatever you're doing, DFS, betting, one and done, whatever, make sure you get your picks in on Wednesday, before Wednesday, I guess even. Um, so that way, you know, you're prepared for the start of this tournament because it is a day early. All right, now that that is out of the way, here's what you can expect in this episode. We are going to preview the course itself. Torrey Pines North and South are being used um, at this tournament. We're going to talk about the type of golfers that can succeed at this course. And then we're going to look at the board starting at the top uh, and profiling some golfers that we like this week for DFS, betting, and one and done with a special preview and talk about strategy for one and done at the end. All right, so that's everything we got in this episode, y'all. Um, so if you are playing sports other than fantasy golf, make sure you rate and subscribe to the podcast feed. we got more episodes coming your way this week. We're going to be doing some college basketball episodes as well as an NFL DFS episode for the AFC and NFC Championship games. Also, if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you want some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to on the show, and if you have any lineup or start sit questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. All right, that does it for the introduction. Let's go ahead and let's start this off by talking about Tory Pines. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So this week, the Farmers Insurance Open will be using multiple courses for the second week in a row, uh, this time using two courses instead of three. Uh, Both the Torrey Pines South Course and North Course are going to be used. The South Course is the one that you are familiar with. It's the one that hosted the U.S. Opens in 2008, won by Tiger Woods, and 2021, won by John Rahm. The North Course is only going to be used on Thursday and Friday. So basically, every golfer on Thursday and Friday is going to play around at the North Course and the South Course. Then they're going to make the cut, and then the south course is used for fr- or Saturday and Sunday. So if you look at any strokes gain numbers from the farmers, they're all taken from the south course. Um, the PGA Tour does not set up shot length data at the north course. I guess they don't want to set something up for two days, and then they're just going to have to take it down. Um, so all the strokes gained that you see for this tournament are going to be at the site of the south course. Now, let's talk about the south course because that is the one that three or four rounds are going to be played at. The south course is the longest course that is regularly used on the PGA Tour. The only course that has been played in the past two years that is longer is the ocean course at Keough Island. It features long par threes. Three of the four are over 200 yards. And then the par fives are pretty long as well. Only two of four are going to be reachable in two shots. There's also going to be small greens here at the south course. So basically, it's a long track. So you're going to be hitting long irons into small greens, which makes it one of the more difficult courses on tour. There's not a whole lot of trees on either course either. It's kind of just narrow fairways with thick rough on both sides and not a whole lot of other hazards to look out for. Maybe some bunkers out there as well, but not a whole lot of water hazards, not a whole lot of trees on either course. Now, one thing that also is worth noting is that January, this January, has seen a lot of rain in Southern California. So that means that the course is going to play a little bit softer, it's going to play a little bit longer, and the rough is going to be thicker. So it's going to make it even more important to find your fairway at this course because you don't want to end up in thick rough where you're basically just having to punch it out and not even have a chance at reaching the green with your second shot. 
Now, both greens also feature poa grass, um, which is a very common grass in California. Um, Riviera and Pebble Beach both have poa greens as well. Now, one other thing that is worth noting is that the north course is significantly easier from the south course. So if you're looking to kind of play showdown or make first round leader bets or something like that, you want to target the north course because that's going to be where players are going to be able to make their birdies. Um, the south course is much more difficult. Now, if I were to compare the south course. Now, a quick bit about the south course. There's a lot of people on golf Twitter that will complain and say that it's kind of a boring venue. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that there's a few iconic holes. The third, uh, in, in particular, a very par, downhill par three. Uh, and then the 13th, which is kind of a sidewinding up and down par five. You know, there's a few iconic holes there. It's not, you know, Augusta National. It's not Pebble Beach. But there are some pretty good views, and I definitely don't think that it's just like any regular go track that you can find anywhere. Like, like I think people on golf Twitter are being too harsh on this place. I do think it makes for a pretty good venue. So if I were to compare courses, uh, I would compare Riviera, and which is the Genesis Invitational, and Memorial Park, which is the site of the Houston Open, in terms of the length and the difficulty. Um, Riviera is another one that has Poa Greens, and... The one thing that I do want to mention, though, is that the green complexes at Torrey Pines are not similar to Riviera or Houston. Both Riviera and Houston are difficult, like um, we're going to see at Torrey Pines, but the green complexes are not the same. At those two courses, you see elevated greens with short game areas that are depressed below the green, and you don't see that here at Torrey Pines. So another two courses that I can compare it to, Bay Hill, site of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, is another course that plays difficult, not a whole lot of trees, thick, rough, and greens are just kind of led into instead of elevated. And then TPC Harding Park, which is the site of the 2020 PGA Championship, which was won by Colin Morikawa. So I think if you're looking for um, comparable events to this one, you can look at the Farmers Insurance Open of the past, obviously. You can look at the Genesis Invitational for Riviera. You can look at the Houston Open for Memorial Park. And then you can look at the Arnold Palmer Invitational for Bay Hill. And then the 2020 PGA Championship for TPC Harding Park. You can also look at the 2021 U.S. Open, which was played here. It's not, you know, the same event, but it was at this same course. All four rounds were at the south course, though. So in terms of the type of golfers that we want to target this week, you're going to have to be long off the tee, preferably with accuracy so that you avoid, you know, playing out of this thick rough. And you got to be good with your long irons because you're going to be left with long approach shots into the green. And so you're going to have to be able to use those long irons and they're going to have to be able to stick to the green and be able to hit them. Now, another thing that you got to be able to do, if you miss the green, if you're going to be somebody that doesn't miss the green hole or doesn't hit the green a whole lot, you're going to have to be able to scramble to make par. Making pars is going to be big in winning this golf tournament because it's not going to be a birdie fest like we saw last week at the American Express. So there's really two paths to victory. The first is to, you know, play the south course well and bomb it off the tee and make your putts. Or you can go low in your one round at the north course, you know, on Thursday or Friday, and then just kind of scramble your way and make par every hole your way to victory over the weekend at the south course. There are, you know, those two paths have been exhibited by, you know, multiple golfers here. You know, Luke List last year was the guy who bombed it off the tee. Patrick Reed the year before was the guy who went low at the north course and then scrambled his way over the weekend with possibly illegal lies um, in his way to winning the tournament. So, in other words, you want to be one of those two things. You want to be long or you want to be a scrambler. 
You also want golfers who perform well at major championships. When you look at the history of this event, the winners are a lot of guys who have either won majors or consistently play well at majors. Think John Rahm, Jason Day, Patrick Reed, Mark Leishman, and Justin Rose to a smaller degree, but those are all guys who play well in majors. So if you can play well at a major, you can play well here at Torrey Pines. All right, so that does it for the course preview. Let's go ahead now and start looking at the board and breaking down some golfers that we want to target. So as I'm starting this segment, I am realizing that I did say Saturday and Sunday last segment. My bad. I forgot that the tournament was moved up a week. So it is Friday and Saturday that are the weekend rounds and Wednesday and Thursday that are the first two rounds. So um, hopefully there is no confusion on that one. My bad if I misled anybody in that information. So let's go ahead and start talking about some golfers at the top of the board and at the very top of the board on FanDuel, DraftKings, betting markets everywhere, and for good reason, is John Rahm. He's won four of his last six starts worldwide. He's on an absolute tear right now, and it's kind of wild that he's not number one in the world with his recent run of wins, but that's a story for another place in time. But anyway, he is the absolute alpha here, and he is priced like it on FanDuel and DraftKings. I think that this is just the perfect spot for John Rahm, right? He fits the course profile perfectly. He's very long off the tee. He's very good with his long irons. And he, you know, has the ability to putt and scramble and make pars when he needs to make par. You know, and if you think that, well, does he just fit the course profile or does he actually play well here? Well, he does. He's won this event in 2017. He won the U.S. Open here in 2021. And his last four trips to the Farmers have been a fifth, a second, a seventh, and a third. So in the last six times he has played at Torrey Pines, he's not finished worse than seventh place. Yeah, that's an incredible run. But here's the thing. In DFS, if you pay up for John Rahm, you're going to have to make sacrifices elsewhere because he is priced significantly higher than any other golfer. And to be honest with you, I don't mind it. Like, I feel like this is going to be one of those weeks where he's going to be like 30 to 40% owned. But like, if he runs away with this thing, it's going to be really hard for you to make money if you didn't play him. So I almost think that it's a, almost a good strategy to play him because even if he doesn't do well, like which for him is like seventh place, then you know, that's not going to kill your lineup and you can win at the other five spots in your lineup if everybody is just going to play John Rahm. So I don't think that that is necessarily a bad spot to play him in DFS. For one and done, he brings up a very interesting conundrum that we're going to get to later. Now, second on the board is Tony Finau, who, if you were listening to the type of golfers that I wanted earlier, long off the tee, good with long irons, ability to scramble, that also fits Tony Finau. He had a very quiet T16 at the American Express, so his recent form is pretty good. Not quite the same as John Rahm's, but still pretty good. Now, last year he did miss the cut at this event, but before that he was T2, T6, T13, T6, and T4 at the Farmers Insurance Open, which are five finishes inside the top 13, four of which were inside the top six. He also has a great history at Riviera and a win at the Houston Open, which are two of my comp courses for this event. So he has the track record of playing well at difficult golf courses. And to me, if you're not going to pay up for John Rahm, I think all of these other guys make compelling cases. But really, I think the way to go about your lineup would be to try to fit two of these guys in it if you're not going to play John Rahm. So Finau is a good option. Who else would be a good option? Well, let's talk about Xander Shoffley. So he ended all doubt about his health last week with a T3 at the American Express. He American Express, I almost said American Express. Um, so at that event, he very much charged hard on Sunday. He had a 62. He had an albatross on Sunday. And to me, that kind of just says, okay, like Xander's all right. We don't have to be worried about his back issues. He, he's going to be okay. 
Now, he also has a decent history at Torrey Pines. He was a T7 in the 2021 U.S. Open, and he has one runner-up finish here at the Farmers Insurance Open. And that's not necessarily surprising. He is long off the tee. He is good with long irons. Uh, and he's a California guy. Like, he generally plays well in his home state of California. So I definitely think that this is a solid spot for Xander Shoffley. And I think that the ownership is going to gravitate towards John Rahm that makes Xander Shoffley, among with the next two guys that I'm going to talk about, decent value play this week. Now, Kawa Morikawa is probably going to be the lowest owned of all these guys at the top. So the last time we saw Kawa Morikawa, he blew the Tournament of Champions to John Rahm with poor putting on Sunday. And that's kind of the story with Morikawa. Like, his putting costs him a lot of tournaments. Um, he's not super long off the tee either. And in fact, he's 24 yards shorter on average than John Rahm. But when you look at his track record at this course and at some comp courses, kind of makes the case for himself. He was T4 in the 2021 U.S. Open here. He was 21st in his only trip to this event, the Farmers. And he has a win at TPC Harding Park and a runner-up at Riviera, two comp courses. And, you know, another guy, he's from California. So I think that this sets up pretty well for Kyle Morikawa, and I think that there's not going to be a whole lot of ownership on him. He's kind of more of a boomer bust play, though, because if I'm being honest, I think Kyle Morikawa, the way his putter goes, he's either probably going to win this tournament or finish like second or third, or he's going to come in like 57th and barely make the cut. So um, th that's kind of what I see as the range of outcomes for Kyle Morikawa, and I definitely don't mind going to him in this spot. Now looking further down the board, Will Zalatoris. Fits the profile of this course perfectly. Long off the tee, accurate off the tee as well. Very good with long irons. Very good at major championships, right? And if you need evidence that he was the runner-up here last year, he lost in a playoff to Luke List. He was this close to getting his first win on the PGA Tour here at the Farmers Insurance Open. And one kind of nugget that I think people are going to quote to keep people off of Will Zalatoris is that he did miss the cut here in the 2021 U.S. Open, but I think he's at such a different spot in his career, and he's such a different golfer now than he was then, that I definitely, you know, don't see that as a reason not to play Willie Z, so I think this is a good spot for Zalatoris. Like I said, he fits the profile perfectly, and, you know, as we're looking at this list, y'all, if you're not going to play Rom, you need to get two of Finau, Shoffley, Morikawa, or Zalatoris. Or I think you could even go down to these next little tier guys. Below Zalatoris sits Justin Thomas, who if you play Justin Thomas, you are playing the talent, right? You're playing the skill level because he is one of the most skilled golfers on planet Earth. But he doesn't really have a great event history. In fact, his only trip here was a 20th, which was last year. And he has no real recent form to bank off of that we can count on. You know, he played in the Tournament of Champions. He was okay. But, you know, like, that's a 39-player event with no cut at a very easy golf course. It's not this tournament. It's not this event. It's not this course. So if you're playing Justin Thomas, you're banking on the talent. And I don't mind it, but that's just kind of where we're at with Justin Thomas. You don't really have any reliable course history or recent form to bank off of. Taylor Montgomery, however, is one of the hottest golfers on the planet, coming off of a T12 at the Sony Open and a T5 at the American Express. He also had a great fall where he had a run of top 10 finishes, and he was 11th here last year. Uh, so Taylor Montgomery, you know, good recent form, good course history. He also made the cut at the 2021 U.S. Open. That was before he was a full-time PGA Tour player. He was just a Corn Ferry Tour guy then. So... I really like Taylor Montgomery this week. And why not go to the guy who is one of the hottest golfers on the planet? Now, granted, he might be priced up here with guys who are, you know, more long-term, more skilled, 
and long-term better golfers than he is. But, I mean, he's hot right now. So, like, why not strike while the iron's hot? I think this is a good spot for him. I don't know if he has the upside to win this event, but I definitely think he could put together another top five or top ten like he has all fall and here at the start of the spring season. Max Homa is another guy that I really like. Max checks off all of the boxes. He's long off the tee. He's good with long irons. He has scrambling ability, and he's super successful in the state of California. He has wins at Riviera and at the Fortnite Championship at Napa, and he's also got decent recent form. He's coming off of a T3 at the Tournament of Champions, and he's got decent course history as well. He owns an 18th place finish and a 9th place finish as here as well as, unfortunately, three missed cuts, which is not unusual at the Farmers. You know, with the way the first two days work, if you're not able to go low at the north course, you can easily find yourself missing the cut. Um, so it's not exactly shocking to see somebody have, you know, very polarizing course history. But like I said, Max Homa checks off all the boxes. Recent form, good at comp courses, um, good at this course, long off the tee, good with long irons. Like Max Homa is one of my favorite plays this week. And in fact, if you start your lineup with John Rahm, I definitely think you can make Max Homa your second guy in. If you are not starting your lineup with John Rahm, he's probably about as low as I would go for the second guy in. Like I said, if you are not going to start your lineup with John Rahm, then you need to try to find two of these guys that I mentioned. Finau, Shoffley, Morikawa, Zalatoris, Thomas, Montgomery, or Homa. Try to fit in two of those guys because that's going to be something that you can do that can make your lineup unique and try to kind of out-edge these guys who are just going to play it, plug in John Rahm and a lot of other cheaper golfers. All right, so that does it for the top of the board. Let's take a quick breather and then talk about some value plays. All right, so looking at some value plays, there are two guys in the 8K range who I am very interested in. First one is Jason Day, who is really going to be the course history guy for the week. He has two wins here at the Farmers Insurance Open, as well as a fifth and a third place finish last year. And honestly, I think he's playing better golf right now than he was at this time when he had the third place finish last year. He had a very quiet T18 at the American Express. He had a really good fall. We're starting to see Jason Day kind of round back into form and kind of see old school Jason Day again, right? The Jason Day that was, you know, seemingly in every major in 2015 and 2016, where on Sunday it seemed like he had a chance to win every time. And, you know, that kind of bodes well for him at this event. If you play well at major championship type setups, you're going to be good at this event. He has the ability to, you know, scramble and make par. He is long off the tee. So I think this is a really good spot for Jason Day. Like just everything lines up for him this week. I expect him to be pretty popular, and I don't mind playing him even if he is popular. Maverick McNeely is the other guy in the AK range that I like. His recent form has been quietly very good. He has five straight finishes of 27th or better. And in that span of five events, he has three top 15s, which is pretty good. If you play a guy at $8,700 on DraftKings and he comes up with a top 15, you're going to be a very happy camper. He's also very, very good at putting on POA. In fact, one of the top in the field at putting on POA greens. He has a great history at Pebble Beach, which is POA greens. So I definitely think this is a good spot for Maverick McNeely. Now, looking down the board, one guy that I do want to point out, this is kind of like a buyer beware. Luke List is listed at a flat 8K on DraftKings. I think that's a bad price in a bad way. On FanDuel, he's slightly better, a slightly more appropriately priced, but on on DraftKings, I think it's a bad price. Yes, he is the defending champ of this event. He beat out Will Zalatoris last year in a playoff, and he does have a good profile for the course. He's long off the tee, and he's good with long approaches. But the problem is he's so volatile with chipping and putting in the short game. And he can chip and putt himself right out of a golf tournament. And 
In fact, he's done that quite a lot recently. His recent form is nothing to write home about. The only finish we really had to bank off of recently for Luke List is an 11th at the Tournament of Champions, but that was a field with 39 players. And so if you want to kind of extrapolate that to 156 player event, that's kind of like coming in like 40th. So not exactly uh, the best finish there with that 11th. And then, in, in, you know, his last five months of playing golf, like that's his best finish. So we don't really have a whole lot to write home about with Luke List in terms of recent form, but, you know, he does fit the course. So in my opinion, he's a super boom or bust play. Like if you pay this much for Luke List, you're either going to be wanting him to come in like top five or, you know, he's probably going to miss the cut. So I think that this is a very boom or bust play. Definitely an option in GPPs in FanDuel and DraftKings, but definitely not a guy you can bank on with any kind of consistency. Now the upper 7K range does have four guys that I'm interested in. They're all really good with their driver, which means that they're going to fit this course well because they're long off the tee and they do have the ability to hit long approach shots. And those are Hayden Buckley, Taylor Pendrith, Wyndham Clark, and Davis Thompson. Now, in terms of recent form, Buckley has the best. Uh, Wyndham Clark's isn't bad either. We also have Davis Thompson with the runner-up at the American Express. So, you know, pretty good recent form from these guys. But in terms of the... Um, history at this course. Taylor Pendrith has the best finish of this group at this course with a T11 last year. Taylor Pendrith also made the cut here at the 2021 U.S. Open. So you're definitely looking at these four guys with a, you know, solid profile for the course, solid recent form coming in. And one of these young guys is going to break through and get a win at some point. And so um, I definitely think that those are four guys that I'm probably going to be finding a way to put at least one of them in my lineups this week. Kirk Kitayama is an interesting one. He only has one missed cut here, but I think he profiles really well. He's really long off the tee, and he has a track record of showing up at difficult golf courses. So I think he's definitely an intriguing play here in the 7K range. But a guy I really like is Thomas Dietrich. He was a guy I liked last week, and I'm back on board this week. I just think he's really talented, and I think he's a better golfer than the price tag he's currently being given on DraftKings. His last three tournaments that he's played in the United States are a 26th, a 15th, and a 2nd. And, like, I'll take any of those results out of a guy who's in the 7K range on DraftKings. We know he's long off the tee. We know he has the ability to scramble. I think this profiles really well for Thomas Dietrich. Ryan Palmer is kind of like Jason Day light version. And what I mean by that is he has a surprisingly good course history here. His last five trips, he has two runner-up finishes and has done no worse than 21st. However, his recent form has been kind of spotty. So if you're somebody who is banking on course history for this event, Ryan Palmer is a guy you want to get into your lineups. I don't expect him to be very popular, but he is definitely a guy that if you're banking on course history, you can go to this week. Now, the exact price of $7,400 on DraftKings features four more guys that are kind of all similarly profiled as long guys off the tee and have a chance to do really well here, and they are Gary Woodland, Will Gordon, Nick Hardy, and Trey Mullinex. Woodland is the only one who has any kind of good history here. Uh, Will Gordon does have one 21st place finish. Um, so if you're kind of banking on history, the one with the most history there is Gary Woodland. But all four of those guys can bomb it off the tee, and all four of them have the ability to you know, contend at this south course, in my opinion. Aaron Rye is a guy that I like a lot this week, and I think that he's, in my opinion, he's one of my favorite sleepers of the week because I don't think that there's a whole lot of people rushing to play Aaron Rye in DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, at this event last year, he was in contention on Friday and Saturday. See, I did the right days this time. And he had a sixth-place finish. And he has two top tens at the Houston Open, which is one of my comp courses. 
Aaron Rye shows up at difficult golf courses, and this is a difficult golf course that he can show up at, and I have a lot of faith in Aaron Rye to do well this week. He is one of my favorite plays of the week. Another one of my favorite plays of the week is looking way down the board, flat 7K on DraftKings, is Lonto Griffin, who surprisingly owns a 30th place finish, a 7th place finish, and a 12th place finish here. He also has a win at the Houston Open, which is one of my comp courses. So Lonto Griffin, surprisingly good profile. If you're going to look on DraftKings, you're going to see nothing on his game log because he's been primarily playing on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he hasn't played a whole lot of events recently anyway. So... I definitely kind of like Lonto this week, though. That course history and the win at the comp course, definitely a good sign heading into the week here at Torrey Pines. Aaron Baddeley is also kind of very interesting this week. He has an eighth-place finish here and a lot of missed cuts, but he has really good recent form for a guy who's this far down on DraftKings board. Five of his last six events, he's been in top 50, so that's a pretty solid start for Aaron Baddeley. Um, I definitely think that this is a course he can do well at. Now, another trend that you kind of want to look at, is with the exception of John Rahm, who won in his debut, pretty much every golfer who has won this week, or won this tournament, I should say, had a previous top 10 at this tournament. So guys that I've just mentioned, Aaron Baddeley, Lonto Griffin, Aaron Rye, they've all come in a top 10 finish before. So that's just, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to that or if it's just a coincidence, but it seems that guys have one good finish here, and then they put it all together the next year, or two years later, or the next time they come here, whenever that may be, you know, then then they kind of put it all together after that top 10 finish, and then they break through for a win. So just something to think about, you know, if I said that a guy has a top 10 finish here, you know, that means they could have a chance at winning this one this week. Now, honestly, I think this is a pretty strong field for this event, but the bottom of this field is bad. Like, it's just not, there's not a whole lot of guys in the 6K range that I'm very interested in playing. So just kind of a, a, a few quick bullet points. J.B. Holmes, if you're a course history guy, is the guy you want in the 6K range. He's got some good course history, but I'm just not interested. I don't think he's played enough golf um, to get me interested in playing him on FanDuel or DraftKings this week. Doug Gim has been very bad recently, but he's a very good putter on POA. And so maybe there's a little something there. I don't know, but... Um, just if you're a guy who thinks the putting service matters, Doug Gim could be your guy. And then lastly, Kevin Yu is a guy who has a skill set that I really like this week. Um, you know, he doesn't have anything really to bank on in course history or recent finishes, but the skill set is what I do like. He drives it over 300 yards, which is above PGA Tour average. He's above average in accuracy and hitting the fairways, and he's above average in the green regulation percentage. So he hits it far, he hits fairways, he hits greens, you know, maybe that's worth a look. Like, like I said, this 6K range is pretty bleak. So if you want course history, J.B. Holmes. If you want a good putter at this surface, Doug Gim. If you want a guy who just has a skill set, Kevin Yu. And then another guy, he missed the cut last week, but I do think he's got a skill set as well. Tyson Alexander, I think, is another guy who's worth looking at. All right, so that does it for the value plays this week. Let's take a quick breather and let's talk some one and done. All right, so one and done this week. Not the best week for me last week. I did have Andrew Putnam in one of my two, and I had Cam Davis in the other two. Putnam didn't do too bad, but Cam Davis did have a very disappointing missed cut. I thought that profiled really well for Cam Davis, so I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, anyway, this week, let's talk about the John Rom conundrum. So there literally cannot be a better spot to play John Rom. right? He's He's got a great event history here. He's got great recent form coming in, and... Like, it doesn't get any better than this. And he's, quite frankly, the best golfer in the field. 
But the problem is, is if you're playing one and done events that go by cash, which most of them do, this is not an elevated event. It's not a major championship. So you're burning one of the best golfers in the world at an event where he's not going to make you the most money from when you could use him, right? But here's the thing. When you look at the elevated events, John Rahm doesn't exactly have a great history in a whole lot of them, except for the BMW Championship. And then when you look at majors, I don't know if any of them really profile well for John Rahm. So do you get aggressive this week and go John Rahm? I don't know. I think it's definitely an option. I think that if you are somebody who is playing from behind right now and you want to try to catch back up to see if you can play from the front, I think he is an option. But I don't know if I will get there all the way and go John Rahm in my one-and-done competitions. I do think this is a good spot, however, for Will Zalatoris. However, with Will Zalatoris, I talked about the elevated events and the majors. He has a great track record at the four majors. You know, he doesn't have a win yet, but he does have a great track record at them. So if you want to save Zalatoris for an elevated event or a major, I get that. I don't mind going Taylor Montgomery for a one-and-done in this spot. Um, I think that this recent form, strike while the iron's hot. Like, you know... There's no use in trying to save him when, like, you know, he might not be playing this well the next time you want to use him. So I think that, you know, if you're kind of playing a conservative approach, if you're trying to, you know, kind of play it week by week, I think that Taylor Montgomery is probably your guy. The two guys that I expect to be very popular this week, Max Homa and Jason Day. I talked about earlier how both of them profiled the course really, really well. Um, you know, Homa doesn't have a win here like Jason Day does, but Homa has a great track record at comp courses. He has a great profile for the course. Jason Day has a win here and has a great profile for the course. Those are the two guys who I expect to be very popular this week. If you wanted to get a little bit contrarian and go further down the board, I could see going with Mab McNeely. I could see going with like, I don't know, maybe one of the bombers like a Davis Thompson or a Wyndham Clark, but I don't know. I probably wouldn't go that far down the board for a one and done. I definitely think that there's guys up here that you don't need to worry about like saving for a super long time. You know, this might not be a terrible spot for Morikawa, but I don't know. I, I, it's hard to trust Morikawa sometimes. So I don't know what I'm going to do this week. I got a day to decide. But if, like I said, it comes down to your strategy for your season long one and done. If you want to be aggressive, you go John Ramos, the perfect spot for him. If you want to play it a little bit closer to the vest, then you got a lot of options. You got Willie Z, you got Taylor Montgomery, or the two guys that I said that I expect to be popular, Max Homa and Jason Day. Because in all honesty, when's the next time you're going to sit there and want to use Jason Day? I, I, I don't know when that's going to be. Max Homa, I could see using at Riviera. I could see using him at a lot of the Cali courses, honestly. But that's pretty much where we're at in terms of one and done right now. You're the... The aggression is going to determine who you play this week in a one-and-done, and I stand by that, and I'm going to have that internal decision to make the next day or so if I want to be that aggressive and pull that trigger on John Rahm or not. All right, so that does it for our preview for the Farmers Insurance Open. Hopefully gave you guys plenty of options to play in DFS or you know, to maybe make some outright bets um, or to play in your one-and-done. Remember, we got a Wednesday start this week. Wednesday and Thursday, one round at the South Course and one round at the North Course for every golfer, which means that if you're playing showdown or making any kind of first-round leader bets or any kind of prize picks or something like that, pay attention to which course your guy is on. The North Course is a lot easier. In fact, about three strokes easier. So you're going to want to take advantage of that on Wednesday and Thursday. 
All right, so that does it for this preview, guys. Like I said, hopefully gave you guys plenty of options. If you want to see my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I mentioned a lot of names here on this episode to see the names that I am officially putting in my lineups and how I kind of piece it together to build a lineup that is available on Patreon. And as always, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, dropping some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to on the show. And I'm also more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. Best of luck to everybody in their endeavors this week. I will be back tomorrow with a college basketball episode and an NFL episode later on in the week. So make sure you rate and subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you all next time.